Good morning, and if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Psalm 132. Psalm 132, starting to read at verse 1. O Lord, remember David and all his hardships he endured. He swore an oath to the Lord and made a vow to the mighty one of Jacob. I will not enter my house or go to my bed. I will allow no sleep to my eyes, no slumber to my eyelids, till I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. We heard it in Euphrata. We came upon it in the fields of Jah. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, and come to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. May your priest be clothed with righteousness. May your saints sing for joy. For the sake of David, your servant, do not reject your anointed one. The Lord swore an oath to David, a sure oath that he will not revoke one of your own descendants. I will place on your throne, if your sons keep my covenant and the statues I teach them, then their sons shall sit on your throne for ever and ever. For the Lord has chosen Zion, he has desired it for his dwelling. This is my resting place for ever and ever. Here I will sit enthroned, for I have desired it. I will bless her with abundant provision, her poor will I satisfy with food. I will clothe her priests with salvation, and her saints shall ever sing for joy. Here I will make a horn groan for David, and set up a lamp for my anointed one. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but the crown put the crown on his head shall be resplendent. Shall we pray? Our Father, we thank you for these words, and we ask now that you just lead us through them, and that you speak to us as we hear your word. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, the psalm, uh, Psalm 132. Just a reminder, the people of Israel who live far away from the city of Jerusalem would travel to attend one of the three main festivals. That was Passover, Pentecost, or the Feast of Tabernacles, or if possible, all three. When you come to Luke chapter 2, verse 41 through to 52, what we have here, we read about that when Jesus was 12 years old, he, like many others before him, made this journey with his family and all the people of Nazareth, a whole group of them would travel. And the psalms that they would have sung during that journey were the songs that they called the Psalms of Ascents. And these are the psalms that we have been looking at as we travel on our journey out of this the, the restrictions of COVID-19 and back to being able to gather and sing our hymns together as we move towards what is for us the new Jerusalem. The Psalms of Ascents are Psalms 120 through to Psalm 134 and they cover different aspects of the believer's life. You see they speak of God's provision and his protection it speaks of their disappointments and their fears, of them being at times down but not out, songs of hope, calls to the Lord for help them, songs of praise to the Lord, of them looking forward to the future and also looking back at the past. Now this Psalm 132 is a song about 
the building of the temple, and probably originally written for the dedication of the temple. So what I want you to do this morning is to come with me as we join these travellers and imagine the scene after a hard day on the road, walking in the in the heat of the day and the dust of the road. And as night falls, it's a time to to stop and to camp. And so they sit round the campfire and the youngsters say to the older ones, tell us about that song that we have been singing today. Tell us about that Psalm 132. And so they all gather round to listen. And it would probably be something like this. Someone would say, well, the first part is about King David, who made a promise to God. That's why we said these words, Lord, remember David and all his self-denial. And he swore an oath to the Lord. He made a vow to the mighty one of Jacob. I will not enter my house, nor go to my bed. I will allow no sleep to my eyes, or slumber to my eyelids, till I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. We heard it in Ephrathah, and came up to the fields of Jah. And you know, what David is saying here is that he had this great desire and he wouldn't rest until he had fulfilled what he wanted to do. But listen while I tell you what the prophet Samuel said about this. Because we can read it in 2 Samuel 6 verse, well the whole chapter 6, but we're just going to look at verse 1 and 2. And it says this, David again brought together all the people, young men of Israel, 30,000 he and all his men went to Belal in Judah to bring up from there the Ark of God, which is called by the name the Ark of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim on the Ark. Now you can imagine, as the folk are sitting around talking about this, that maybe some of the youngsters came up with a question and say, Was that when the temple was that where the temple was? And the answer would come back, no, no, no. This was before the temple was built. And on that occasion, things didn't go so well as David thought they would. And then they could refer back to what they know from the prophet Samuel, 2 Samuel 6, verse 2 to 11. And there it tells us that David was doing the right thing, but he was doing it in the wrong way. He was doing it his way. And on that occasion... David failed to do what he wanted to do. So let's stop for a moment because there's a lesson for us here. And this lesson that we can learn is from this Psalm 132, but also from Psalm 127. And 127 is also one of these Psalms of Ascents that the people would probably have been singing on this journey. And verse 1 of that Psalm says this, Unless the Lord builds the house... The builders labour in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. So, maybe at that point, uh, some of them came up with another question. Well, tell us what happened next. And then the answer comes. Well, eventually, and again, they could turn to the prophet Samuel. For us, it's chapter 2, verse 6. Uh, chapter 2 Samuel, chapter 6, verse 12 through to 19. And this is just part of what we can read there. This is what it says. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. Now maybe at this 
point again, another question might be asked, and the question might be this. So, the Ark of the Lord is in Jerusalem, but there's still no temple, only a tent. And the answer comes back, yes, that's right. But the Lord was there, and the people could meet together to worship, just like we will do when we get to Jerusalem. So listen to what the song says next. So back to Psalm 132. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool, saying, Arise, Lord, and come to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. May your priests be clothed with your righteousness. May your faithful people sing for joy. And then somebody might ask, So when did David build the temple? And the answer would come back, Well, he didn't. But the Lord told David that he could make all the preparations for the building. But it would be built by his son Solomon. And Solomon did that. It was Solomon who eventually built the temple. So let's stop for a moment because we can learn another lesson here. This is our second lesson from this passage. And we're going to the New Testament for this in Romans 8 verse 28. Although Paul speaks this, it is still the same thing for these people because it says here, and we know that all things, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You see, the temple would be built, not by David, but it would be done in God's way and with, by the one who God had chosen. That was Solomon, and all things would work together for good. You see, David made a promise to God. But you know, God made a promise to David. And it's in this psalm. The Lord promised David that one of his descendants would be a king forever. And his throne would be in Jerusalem. And this is the one who these people are waiting for. The one who they call the Messiah. The Lord, the Anointed One. And this is why they would sing these words at the end of this psalm. This is coming up to verse 10 through to 18. For the sake of your servant, David, do not reject your anointed one. The Lord swore an oath to David, a sure oath he will not revoke. One of your own descendants will I will place on your throne. If your sons keep my commands and statutes, that I teach them, then their sons shall sit on your throne forever. For the Lord has chosen Zion, he has desired for his dwelling, saying, This is my resting place forever and ever. Here I will sit enthroned, for I have desired it. I will bless her with abundant provision. Her poor I will satisfy with food. I will clothe her priests with salvation, and her faithful people shall ever sing for joy. Here I will make a horn grow for David, and set up a lamp for my anointed one. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but his head shall be adorned with a radiant crown. Maybe when the folk heard that, and particularly the younger people, maybe they asked another question. It might have been this question. When do you think the anointed one will come? And the answer for these people would have been this. We don't know. But we know that the Lord keeps his promises. 
So here's a lesson three for us this morning. And this again is from another psalm. It's Psalm 145. This isn't a psalm of a sense, but the message is here in verse 13. And this is it. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all his promises and faithful in all he does. So there's the phrase I want you to take hold of. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. Now, what we've looked at here, this would be the experience of many who had a desire to worship God. But my question is, how many did or would actually accomplish it? Those on that journey, in that day, heading towards Jerusalem to worship at the temple. They would have learned this. One, it's the Lord who builds the house. Two, we need to do things according to God's purpose. And three, the word of the Lord is true and he always keeps his promises. Just think about those for a moment. We might return to them in, in a little while. You know, I'm sure that there are many people today in churches all over the world with this desire, the desire to be in the presence of God. But how many will be trying to do that in their own way and not in God's way? So here's a thought for us this morning. As we live in a time when the old promise given to Moses is now the new promise that is given in the name of Jesus so what can we learn from this psalm? I want us to think firstly about those people who were in Jerusalem at the time when Jesus was there. And those people would have sung these songs during their journey. And they would have been there in Jerusalem when this happened. Come with me to Matthew 21 verse 13. Jesus entered the temple courts. And drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. When Jesus said, My house, did those people... Recall the words from Psalm 132. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling, saying, This is my resting place forever and ever. Those same people who were there in Jerusalem who'd heard those words and seen that event. Most of them would also hear these words that were spoken from the cross. And we read these in Luke 23, verse 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Did they understand the meaning of these words that they had sung on their way to Jerusalem from this psalm? Here, I will make a horn, from, a horn grow for David and set up a lamp for my anointed one. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but his head shall be adorned with a radiant crown. What did they think when they read the notice on the cross? Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. 
What were their thoughts when they saw the crown of thorns on his head? You know, they were singing songs from the scriptures and the scriptures had told them what would happen to the Messiah. And for them, God's promise to David was being fulfilled. For us today, God's promise to David has been fulfilled. So listen again to the words of Psalm 132, verse 13 through to 18, and just consider them in the light of what we've looked at this morning. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place, saying, This is my resting place for ever and ever. Here I will sit enthroned, for I have desired it. I will bless her with abundant provisions, her poor I will satisfy with food, I will clothe her priests with salvation, and her faithful people shall ever sing for joy. Here I will make a horn grow for David and set up a lamp for my anointed one. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but his head shall be adorned with a radiant crown. You know, this for us is speaking of the new Jerusalem. Let's go to Hebrews 12, a few verses from that chapter, 22 and 24. And this is after the death and resurrection of Jesus and after his ascension to heaven. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to be sprinkled and to the new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel, the new Jerusalem. And Jesus is the anointed one who is the king of kings again. Let's go to the New Testament, book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. So it's the heavenly Jerusalem. Jesus, the anointed one, is the king of kings and the throne is the throne that is mentioned over 30 times in the book of Revelation. Revelation 7, verse 10. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. You know, I said, remember the three lessons that we said the folk would have been able to learn on their way to Jerusalem? What about lessons for us this morning? Well, it's the same three lessons. First thing, it is the Lord who builds the house. So build your house, your life, on him who is the solid rock. Matthew seven twenty six. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Secondly, we need to come according to his purpose. No one comes to God other than through Jesus. So trying 
our own way doesn't work. John in chapter 14, verse 6, tells us this. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And the third and final lesson. The word of the Lord is true. He always keeps his promises. This is in John 5, verse 24. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. A few thoughts for us this morning. Let's just pray. Father, we just ask that you encourage us to take these words to heart. If we know you as our Saviour, let us rejoice and let us look towards that new Jerusalem. And our Father, if we've not taken that step of faith, just open our hearts and our minds that we might accept you. Accept what you've done for us as you died on the cross. And our Father, it's in your name that we can have salvation. Father, we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.